Welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ podcast. We've provided a collection of sermons, our midweek lessons, and many more tools to help you grow in your walk with God. Be sure to subscribe and feel free to share this podcast with your friends and loved ones. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Welcome to the Southern Connecticut Church of Christ. Good morning, everybody. It's great to be all together again. You know, today, as part of the International Women's Month, we're going to be spotlighting some of the amazing women in our church. And as he was closing out his letter to the Romans, Paul had this to say about some of their members. Now, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who's a servant of the church in Centuria, so that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and provide her with whatever help she may need from you. For she has been a great help to many, including me, Greek Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Christ Jesus, who risked their own necks for my life. Mm-hmm. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet Mary, who has worked very hard for you. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who work hard in the Lord. Greet my dear friend Persis, another woman, who has worked very hard in the Lord. Mm, And we see here how much Paul recognizes and and holds up women. Now, contrary to what some might believe, Paul very much valued and appreciated women who served God and served the church. Mm -hmm. And we have so many amazing women in the church here who who do just that. And we would not be the church we are today if it weren't for the incredible contribution that our women make. And I'm personally so grateful Mm to all of you and the support that I feel as a church leader from making coffee with Jackie Kayard to conversations with Vicki, there could be so many more, to, to, to talking with the leadership team and working with them. You have all really been my sisters. Mm-hmm. And so today we get to recognize this fantastic part of our ministry. You know, it's been an encouraging week in celebrating International Women's Month. Mm. Uh, Monday, we fasted and we prayed with women from our fellowship all around the world. Uh, We also participated in a 10-day Bible study on the Book of Esther. And it was inspiring to know that we did this study in unison with women from all over New England. Mm. You know, in the Book of Esther, her cousin Mordecai speaks faith into Esther by saying, Esther, you've come into this world, this position as queen, for such a time as this, a time God would use her to save her people, the Jews. You know, not what she really had imagined probably her position would bring. You know, so Esther could have stayed in her comfort zone and not heard God's voice through Mordecai, but instead she chooses to step out and trust and really allow God to use her, which is so inspiring. You know, some of the great lessons that I've learned from our study of Esther this week are, you know, I need to guard my heart from discontent or fear. You know, God is always working, even when we can't see how. And that God can reverse the irreversible. God will always redeem and work his plan. Strength and courage come from times of prayer and fasting. And one of the quotes that resonated with me with one of the one of the women that did one of the quiet times was that it's in the waiting room that God does his best surgery. As we learn to wait on how God will handle things, to trust and allow God to use me with where I am right now for such a time as this. You know, also yesterday there was a great outpouring of love as the women gathered supplies for a women's shelter in Bridgeport. You know, the hearts of the women in the church here are generous and amazing. And you know, and I am personally just so grateful and humbled and honored 
to be in partnership with an incredible team of women that lead and serve in our congregation. You know, from a woman administrator, an assistant, to a board member, to many community group leaders, children's ministry oversight, you know, our hope team, our leadership team, social media team, and our, our staff, our women on staff. You know, each woman, each woman brings her own special gift or talents to our family here in Southern. You know, this is the beauty. Honestly, this is the beauty of the body of Christ. As it says in Ephesians 4.16, each part does its own work to make the whole body grow and be strong with love. But I also want to thank the men and my husband, you know, in the church for the support that the women really feel and, and experience. And that is so valuable. And as it has been said over the past year many times, we truly are in this together. Amen. That is true. You know, it wasn't just Paul, but Jesus, too, had great respect mm -hmm. for women. And he, he valued those relationships highly. Yeah. Let me just give you one example. This is in Mark chapter 14. While he was in Bethany, reclining at the table in that home of Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume mm -hmm. made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Now, some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, said Jesus. Why are you bothering her? She's done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you and you can help them anytime you want. But you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And, you know, while the others were all dismissing her, Jesus was praising her and he was lifting her up for what she had done. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that we can continue to tell her story. Right through the women in our church. So I hope you enjoy the service and, and thanks for joining us today. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much and we thank you for this time that we can be together in worship. We pray for an awesome service that will give you all the glory that is due you. Thank you, Father, for the, for the women in our church and the way they do serve you with all their hearts. And uh, we would not be the church that we are if it weren't for the way they work together with the men. And we are so grateful that we, have, that we do have a church that gives you glory together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Enjoy the day. Thanks. Enjoy the worship. Hello, family, friends, and those of you who are just joining us for the first time. I'm honored and thankful to share from my heart about a time in my life that God brought me and my family much-needed hope. My prayer is that the story I share will bring you deep, real, lasting hope. A hope that will sustain and bring you peace in whatever you are going through right now, regardless of the outcome. Because the outcome is not what gives us peace, but instead peace comes from our belief that God is good and He loves us more than anyone ever has, will, or could. It is the hope that God will be there to strengthen and comfort us through any storm that life brings. My name is Deanna Retta, and 26 and a half years ago, before I was baptized and was in the middle of learning the Bible for the first time, there was one thing that God kept burning in my heart. It was, help your dad. Share what you have learned about me so far and share it now. Everyone, every time I felt God prodding my heart, 
Fear would rush in and take over. I was paralyzed by it. I couldn't move or even breathe at the thought of confronting my own father about his addictions and how bad they had gotten. I was fortunate to be able to talk and pray fervently with the faithful godly women God put in my life. I really needed those women to help me move forward past the fear and to be able to take faithful action. I had known that my dad had a problem with alcoholism and drugs, but I was so young and immature that I didn't understand the depth of it, and I was too afraid to inquire about it. As I continued studying the Bible, it became so clear to me that I needed to step out in faith, push past the fear, and confront my dad. It was at that time that God revealed to me the Bible scripture, Esther 4.14. The scripture reads, If you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your father's family will perish. And who knows that you have come to your royal position at such a time as this? Ah, uh, it was a great time of fear for me, but I still had a choice to make. I had a choice to either say, yes, God, here I am, or no way, God, this is too scary, too hard, please ask someone else. With the help of God and those in my life, I decided to leap out in faith. I picked up the phone and called my dad. When uh, he answered, I felt a pit in my stomach knowing what was ahead. He was high. I asked him if I could come over to share what I had been learning about God from the Bible. To my surprise, he said yes. Little did I know at the time, but my dad was searching and seeking for God in his life. When I got to his house, he was sweating, shaking, and itching profusely. It was so scary for me to watch my dad in that state. After all, dad was supposed to be my hero, my example, a source of safety and security in my life. As I sat there, I had no idea what to do or say. I just silently prayed for God to help me reach my dad and to pull him out of the devil's trap that he was stuck in. I asked if I could pray and read the Bible to him, and he said yes. I don't even remember what I read or prayed, but all I felt was fear and sadness. I remember him opening to up to me about his addiction and the times he had actually had a gun to his head and was about to pull the trigger. He said that he felt a strong force urging him not to do it, and it was at that time that he knew God was real and alive, but he didn't know how to reach him. The more we talked and I saw the reality of my dad being on his deathbed, I knew I needed to act swiftly and immediately. I called my dad's girlfriend at the time and told her that I knew about their addiction. She was shocked and relieved. She said she was sorry and she knew they both needed help, but was too stuck and afraid to get it. I told her I was driving my dad to rehab in the morning, whether he liked it or not. She cried and she said she was going to come with me. The next morning, I was riddled by fear again, but God strengthened me through my love for him and for my dad. When I told my dad to get dressed because I was taking him to rehab, he said a resounding no. At the time, my dad's girlfriend came and we together pleaded with my dad for his life. After a while of pleading and giving him an ultimatum, we convinced my dad to come with us. I basically told him that he was so sick and physically deteriorating, and if he didn't come with us, he was going to die. I told him that I wasn't gonna just sit back and let my dad that I loved die. I wasn't leaving until he agreed. I dropped him off at the rehab center and prayed that it would stick this time, 
He had been to rehab a few times before this and it was unsuccessful. Within the week, I wrote my dad a letter with scriptures including Jeremiah 29 11, which reads, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I brought him a Bible and asked him to please start reading it and get closer to God. When my dad got out of rehab, he agreed to start studying the Bible. It wasn't easy and it was a fight every step of the way. But two months later, he and his girlfriend were baptized into Christ. They continued their recovery through the chemical recovery program in our church. It hasn't been easy to this day, but my dad is still sober and drug free. And we have the relationship that we always dreamed of having with each other. God healed both of us through this very painful process. Thank you so much for allowing me to share and happy International Women's Day and Month. Thank you. Good morning, my name is Mandy. It's an honor to share with you today what I have learned about fighting for our relationship during this time of isolation, fear, anxiety, and hardship. When the lockdown started last year, our new community group was just formed. I did not know how we'll build connections in my group, as I did not know much about some of them before. My first reaction was, great. I really don't see how it's going to work out. Meeting on Zoom? No way. I tried Google Meet before, and I could never hear others talk clearly. And there's always someone, including me, who can't get on. Plus, we have so many other things that we were worrying about for our own lives, such as finding toilet papers and buying groceries for my family. Obviously, I was focusing on my own strength, all the limitations and negativity, not on God, not on what God wants me to do. Thank God, at least I tried. I was inspired when we went on Zoom, we were able to make connections and encourage one another. It was quite enjoyable to see each other's face and hear each other's sharing. I wasn't crazy about staring at the screen, but it was what we have got. It feels really like a family when we were able to hear each other's sharing about their week, things that we struggled, good news, victories, things that we are inspired or learned from the sermon. At times, there are hard discussions because life is still very tough. We had someone who had COVID, someone who has lost their loved ones, struggling with health issues, and the social unrest in the past few months. It was through this hard time we grew closeness, respect, and trust. What was helping is through the discussion, we were able to get point back to God. We became one another's teachers in these Zoom times. Everyone has something to give and share. If I'm missing out on something, I can always count on a sister covering it or gently reminding me. This reminds me of a scripture, 1 Peter 4.8. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Keyword, above all. That means it's really important and way more important than all the other things. To me, it is really a good deal. If we have love, even when we fall short, we are covered. I feel so much grace and love from my brothers and sisters. That is so much freedom when we feel safe, accepted, and covered. We are less likely to be critical when we have love. We will all tend to see the good of others rather than the shortcomings. We will overlook and forgive when we have love. That is more motivation to call me higher and get away from my sins as well. 
During this time, as we fight for our relationship, there were a lot of meal delivery, birthday gift delivery, hiking together on a miraculously warm day, also hiking in a chilly day, gathering in my backyard making s'mores, cooking party on Zoom. We kept fighting for our relationship and of course trying to have some fun along the way. The victories don't stop here. Last summer, we studied Bible with an amazing woman, Yafan. I met with Yafan a couple times in church before the lockdown, but the other three women, Alex, Octavia, and Zuellen, have never met with her in person before. It was amazing to see how the Holy Spirit moved all of our hearts throughout the study through Zoom. It is still hard to make connections virtually, but in God, nothing is impossible. We are very fortunate to witness God's words move Yafan's heart and eventually changed her life when she decided to get baptized on November 21st. Throughout the study, I grew a lot of respect and closeness to my other sisters because of what I have learned from their convictions and stories. And Yafan's life inspired me so much. Even though she kept telling us that she's not good at sharing or expressing herself, but because she loves God and us, she's able to pour her heart and share in our Zoom meeting. That is so many one another relationship and love that built outside of the Zoom, and that makes our virtual meeting alive. What doesn't change is God, His promise, and His power. Thank you for hearing my sharing today. God isn't using me. I would say this to myself when I first became a Christian because I thought I needed to have more knowledge in the Bible or because I didn't get put into situations where I was able to share the Word of God. Um, but I always had to remind myself that Christ lives in me all the time. Galatians 2 verse 20 reads, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of Christ who loved me and gave himself for me. As a woman, I was afraid to speak up about my faith and be confident about how much God was working on my new life. But God is sovereign over all of us. He uses anyone he wishes to accomplish his purposes. He was using me when I first started studying the Bible and I had no clue. I would come home and my whole family noticed how I would spend my free time reading, reading my Bible and how my hobbies were changing. I was being transformed. My mom noticed and was extremely happy for me and she was also interested. Um, she was later then invited to church um, by me and um, God decided to use another sister from the church and invited her to study the Bible. Um, then a couple months later, she decided to make Jesus Lord of her life um, and got baptized. Me and my mom have been able to bond over God and be, be an encouragement to my younger sisters and my family um, by the strength that Jesus gives us. Um, when my mom got baptized, I started thinking to myself, what are other ways that God has used me? Um, then I remembered when I was studying the Bible that um, I would constantly be crying and tears would go down my face. I was so open and vulnerable to the girls I was studying with and they they were very encouraged. Um, they wanted to, to be like that. They wanted to be more open and I was able to encourage them through that um, and you know let them know how much of a strength it was um, rather than a weakness because in this world it can seem as a weakness um, for us women to show emotion.
Um, these are just a couple of the ways that I have noted that God has been used has used me before I even got baptized and there's a hundred times more that he he has used me since then and I'm sure there will be a lot more opportunities as well um, he's always using us and I hope and pray that God gives gives me the wisdom um, that I can confidently share my faith with other women um, he has given me a purpose that I have been looking for for a long time. Okay. Thank you. The first 20 years of my life were incredibly rocky, traumatic, and tumultuous. But God is truly good, and I am here to tell the story about how God's unfailing love made me whole and brought blessings to many. I was the youngest of five, and during the first several years of my life, we slipped in and out of homelessness. I don't remember being on the streets, per se, though we were at times, but I do remember moving all the time and often living in destitute motels um, off the highway. As a result, I barely had any belongings or toys and kept only a handful of keepsakes. My prized possession was a Beauty and the Beast jewelry box where I put uh, my favorite things. We had no family photos, barely any pictures of us growing up, no vacations or no trips as a family. I don't remember growing up with my two oldest siblings actually because by then, my oldest sister had gone to live with my grandmother and my brother had run away from home. As you can tell, my parents struggled to make ends meet. And actually, I distinctly remember waking up on Saturday mornings being hungry, realizing how grateful I was for the breakfast, lunch, and after-school snack that we had at school. Um, my mom worked full-time, but the food and money would always run out before the end of the month. And we realized that it was probably because my father was caught in the wrong crowd and drugs and alcohol played an unfortunate role in our lives. Because of all this, my parents argued incessantly. I didn't realize how abnormal it was to grow up this way at the time, but now I understand that my childhood was incredibly traumatic. The times I felt good, I was at school. I was well-fed, and I loved getting attention from the teachers for being a good student, or attention from friends for being funny. Um, naturally then, I put my security and identity in those things. Uh, what my school performance, what my friends thought of me, and I did very well in school and I purposely avoided conflict so I didn't lose people's approval and didn't face rejection. Looking back, these are the roots of where I began to place my self-worth and my identity and how people viewed me. I'm so grateful for my mom's faith because it saved our lives. She was invited to church when I was around six. Uh, her and my teenage brother actually studied the Bible and became Christians. I didn't understand it then, but I see that that decision changed the entire trajectory of my life. Since then, we were going to church consistently and my mom realized that my dad was not a good influence on us, so she separated from him. Church became a huge part of my life, but instead of seeing God as a loving father, he became another teacher to impress. I tried to memorize scriptures and gain his love through being good, leaving me with a very superficial understanding of what it meant to have a relationship with God. By the time I was a teenager, I knew a lot about the Bible and about God, but I didn't really understand why I needed a personal relationship with Him. Finally, after studying the Bible for the third or fourth time, God finally opened my eyes to how little the world had to offer me. I recognized that I was looking for a home. I was looking to belong. And it became clear that my sin separated me from that and that God was the only one who could provide that. He could protect me in this life and the next. And I realized that Satan was always offering something glamorous, but underneath was cheap or rotten. Um, if I trusted God, I had to trust that he knew better than me how to make me happy. So at 16 years old, I made the decision to become a Christian. And I traded the superficial walk with God I had for something deeper. On September 6, 2008, um, I repented and was baptized. My sins were 
forgiven. I received the gift of the Holy Spirit. And my family was completely re renewed. My name was in the book of life. And in every sense of the word, I made it, right? When it came to life goals, I was good. And this was all true, but in the depths of my heart, I was still unsure if I was worth anything at all. I did not yet know God's unconditional, unfailing love. And that day actually began the long and arduous journey for me to find freedom in letting God define me through his love and not being defined by people or my performance. After becoming a Christian, a lot of my identity and self-worth was still tied up in my performance. God had a lot of work to do because as a practically straight-A student, applying to college was huge. I applied to almost every Ivy League school, um, even some shoe-in schools like NYU I thought I was perfect for. And I applied to Rutgers, a school that everyone goes to in New Jersey, as just a safety school. I, would, I told myself I would go to the Peace Corps before I went to Rutgers. I still remember the day I got rejected almost everywhere except Rutgers. Um, I was devastated and I was not old enough to apply for the Peace Corps. It was so clear that so much of my security was tied in academics because I felt like a failure and rejection was one of my deepest fears. But somehow God had whispered to me that he wanted me to go to Rutgers. Interestingly, for every school I applied to, I was gonna be a dancer, a writer, or a filmmaker. But for Rutgers, I was gonna major in the sciences, one of my weaknesses, which is so crazy. I trusted God anyway and went with it. And it became one of the best decisions of my entire life. Before classes at Rutgers even started, I met Steve, my now husband, and the man of my dreams. We met at a church group meeting and connected, and he has been paramount in helping me to understand God's love. I was worried about being labeled as the Christian girl in my dorm, but I shared my faith anyway, and many of my dorm mates came to church. Several studied the Bible, and a few of them actually became Christians. I was amazed at how God was using me. Even academically, God gave me a new vision for my life. I had no money for textbooks when classes started. Here I am in all these science classes, and I overheard some girls talking about where they got free textbooks. And it happened to be a program to help minorities get into medical school, was a program that gave me these free textbooks. It was called Odasis. At the end of that semester, I had a 4.0 GPA, and they took us on a trip to visit a medical school. That's where the dream was born, all because of God and the Holy Spirit guiding me. He even answered my prayers for a best friend. I prayed for a brown-eyed, dark brown-haired girl who looked like me, that I would meet her on campus, she would study the Bible, become a Christian, and that we would be best friends. Well, God took it another level. She was also pre-med at school and Nigerian, just like me, and we are best friends to this day. Her name is Buki. Through those early college years, I saw very clearly how, similar to Esther, God took a tough situation and brought incredible blessings through faith. But in my junior year of college, my identity and security took a huge hit. While studying for a really important test required for medical school, incredibly high pressure, I found out suddenly that my father passed away during what seemed to be a routine surgery for a fracture. My difficult relationship with my dad was one of the roots of my insecurity because I longed for his love and approval and I kept seeking it in other places. I didn't feel validated or good enough for him and that was the lowest point in my life thus far. I felt completely broken, fragile, and exposed. Because I didn't know him well after he died, I just felt incomplete as a person. And it triggered intense feelings of inadequacy and incompetence when it came to school. But God in his unfailing love soothed me through the pain. And Lamentation 3.21 became my favorite scripture. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. 
for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will wait for him. He gave me hope that I could go on and that my identity and self-worth was so much greater than the traumatic experiences I had. He gave me hope that I was loved more than I could know and that his love was perfect, unlike human love, which is limited and flawed. And guess what? A few months later, by God's grace, I passed that test. My score was enough. Not great, not amazing, but just like me, it was enough. God continued to do miracles in my life. He had me get interviews at some of the top medical schools in the nation, Yale, Harvard, Johns Hopkins, UPenn, Columbia. I then prayed another impossible prayer that I would be able to go to medical school for free and be able to live, save up for a car and a wedding, all on that scholarship. And to God's glory and to his glory alone, I was able to do so. I ended up getting a full scholarship to go to Yale Medical School, which was the very same school God showed me in my first semester of college. I wish I could say that I went on from then to never struggle with insecurity and to always have faith, but you know that's not true. I have struggled in the years since, but my faith and identity in Christ only gets deeper. And through that faith and security, I've been able to have an impact on other women and on my patients in amazing ways. Thank you for listening. Wow, what an amazing service. We heard such great stories from amazing sisters. Thank you to all of you guys that were able to share. We are so inspired by everything you shared. My name is Stenson and this is my wonderful girlfriend, Vanya. And she wants to share a couple thoughts. Yeah, I think I just walked away very inspired. I think it's so easy to think of inspirational women and immediately think of celebrities and politicians and women in business. But how encouraging is it that there are women within our midst, women of God, women of faith, that we can be inspired and just encourage hearing their stories. So I'm grateful that these women shared, grateful that we're surrounded by these type of women and can really look up to them and their lives can call us higher. Amen. Amen. So what do we do from here? We heard all these stories about sisters being used by God, but he doesn't only want to use those sisters. He also wants to use us. Where do we see God wanting to use us in our lives today? Right? He can use us in many ways, whether it's in our communities, whether it's at work, whether it's on Zoom, right? There's so many ways that we could be used by God and he's just waiting for us to come to him, right? So I, I hope that you guys were able to get something out of this service and we just want you guys to reflect on how is God gonna use us in our lives every day. If you're visiting with us today, we ask that you just fill out our connect form, right? Take a look at what we do as a church, you know? Um, allow God to use you to help us and allow us to be used by God to help you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you so much. We thank you for allowing us to be used in so many ways, Lord. Um, as we read your word, there's so many people in the Bible that have been used in so many different ways uh, to perform miracles, to encourage others, to baptize others, to do all of these things, Lord. Um, you use us even when we're, when we're struggling, Lord, and we're so grateful for that. We pray, Lord, that you can um, allow each and every one of um, the people watching this today to be used by you, Lord, and to know that they can be used 
um, no matter what they're going through, no matter what is happening in their lives. Lord, um, we give you all the glory and we just thank you so much for all you do. Um, continue to um, protect us and guide us um, and allow us to be used in the way that you want us. We love you, Lord, and we pray this prayer to thank you in the name of Jesus Christ we pray.